Welcome to episode 122 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a photographer living in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Wayne Suggs. Wayne was introduced to the wonders of nature at an early age by parents who knew the importance of having a relationship with the great outdoors. Wayne captures the beauty of the Southwest and shares his images not only for others to enjoy, but to help increase awareness of the necessity to preserve our precious surroundings. Wayne is a workshop leader for Munch Workshops and an all-around great guy. Wayne and I covered a lot of fun ground this week, so I think you'll really enjoy it. Over on Patreon, Wayne and I talked about his passion for photographing rock art, or petroglyphs, and uh, I think you're going to like it. Okay, one really fun announcement. I am really excited to announce that we have finally reached our $1,000 a month goal over on Patreon, so thank you so much for that. And we have officially launched our Landscape Conservation Award. The F-Stop Collaborate and Listen Podcast Landscape Conservation Award Ooh, that's kind of a mouthful. We'll recognize an individual photographer who is highly involved in conservation issues within their local communities or within the landscape and nature of photography community. This can be through their writing, speaking, photography projects, or community organizing efforts. Additionally, this award seeks to recognize an individual that is actively practicing the nature first principles. In partnership with our Patreon supporters, you guys are awesome. The F-Stop Collaborate and Listen podcast presents this prestigious honor, which currently consists of at least $1,550, and we aim to grow the total award amount through donations and sponsorships. We are looking for nominations for the award. Uh, you can nominate yourself or someone else through the Google form that's linked in the liner notes. Since our launch, we have raised over $500 towards the award and have garnered some really great sponsorships from some awesome photography brands. So far, we've been able to get support from the following great companies. Shimoda Designs. Uh, Shimoda Designs is an adventure camera bag company designed as a reaction to real-world adventures rather than those imagined from a comfortable office environment. Shimoda founder Ian Millar is a lifelong explorer, snowboarder, and product designer known for developing some of the most innovative camera bags in the world. Shimoda is his new venture, which represents the culmination of all his experiences and utilizes the most advanced materials and technologies available to minimize the pain, fatigue, and suffering that comes with foul mountain conditions. I, I got to tell you, my friend Michael Blano has one of these backpacks, and they're really nice. So anyway, Shimoda is donating to the winner of the Landscape Conservation Award a bag of their choice, a core unit, and a roller and accessory case. Thank you, Ian. I love it. All right, our next sponsor for the award is Viewbug. Viewbug is a popular photo sharing and contest website. Members of Viewbug can submit their photographs to specialized contests and win amazing prizes. I actually won a external hard drive, which is I am saving all of my podcast recordings to through Viewbug, uh, so you should definitely check it out. Um, so there are a lot more benefits than just winning uh, contests over there as well, so you should check it out. Viewbug is donating a Viewbug Pro Plus membership to the winner of the Landscape Conservation Award, which is a $179 value. We are working on getting even more in-kind donations and financial donations to sweeten the pot for the deserving award winner. If you're interested in either of those, please check out the award page linked in the liner notes. Okay, let's get to the show.
Shane Suggs, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Absolutely, Matt. What an honor. Um, and I just, you know, I've, I've listened to this show I uh, from the start. I've listened to every single episode. You've had so many unbelievable guests um, who produce such amazing work. It's honestly quite humbling to know that I was on your list. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I feel like I've been following your stuff for a long time as well. And I think you got a lot of really good photography. So I think I, don't, I think you're sh- cutting yourself a little short. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, you never know. I'm down here in southern New Mexico and you don't really know who's, uh, you know, looking at your stuff. It's right, like guys, me looking. Go ahead. You guys have Internet down there? Barely. Yeah, um, just barely. <laughs> we got it last week. That's when I started listening to your show. So right, really cool. cool. Yeah. Internet's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that's no. funny, man. Uh, well, I'm assuming you've probably seen the podcast change quite a bit over the last couple of years. You know, it honest. Well, I shouldn't say last couple of years because I just found out about it. And uh, I was living under a rock, I guess. And and I binge listened. I mean, literally binge listened. Every time I'd get in my vehicle to drive to a shoot, you know, I'd be on my way on this lonely two uh, two lane highway, and listening to you and and the guests. And you don't know it, but you and I are really good friends. Uh, we've never met, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. That's but I, not, I literally, that's... yeah, I started at the start, and I listened to every single one of them except for two episodes. And there was a guy that you interviewed and I heard him previously on another podcast and I just wasn't into that podcast, you know, the, the, the one that I heard previously and, uh, that wasn't your podcast. And so I just wasn't into it. You know, I thought, ah, he's kind of, the guy that was interviewing him wasn't doing a good job and, and, you know, um, well, I'm just going to say his name because I really ended up digging the show, but it was Joshua Cripps. And it was was the the double show, you know, and when he had just gotten off a a long photo shoot out of the country and he came back and he was tired and you could tell. But then when I re-listened, when I when I went back and listened to his show, I I was, you know, laughing the whole time. And it ended up being uh, two of my favorite podcasts. Oh, cool. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Well, yeah. we don't have to. We don't have to talk about the the podcast. I think people really want to get to know you. So, maybe uh, start off. Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, kind of how did you get into this uh, world of landscape photography? Yeah, it's um, it's been a long road. I mean, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. But um, yeah, I was so fortunate. Uh, I grew up in a family who loved to be outside, and we were always camping. You know, going on picnics in the desert and camping and, and uh, spent a lot of my childhood in the mountains in Colorado in the summertime and um, very fortunate. Uh, in fact, you and I are kind of neighbors. Uh, my family has a cabin in Pagosa Springs or outside oh, of cool. Pagosa. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I know the San Juans really well and uh, the Wimanooch Wilderness. Spent a lot of time there. I'm an avid fly fisherman. I love to fly fish. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Yep. It's a great place to do it. Um, but yeah, so my mom was a, a hobbyist photographer and when I was 14, I would follow her around and that's where it all kind of started. And she was just really good at these, uh, intimate landscapes. And I, you know, I really enjoy looking at her work, but in all honesty, in our house, we had books, um, you know, uh, from the desert Southwest and the mountains, um, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, and 
and in Utah of David Munch's books. And I absolutely fell in love with, with his work. <clears throat> and I would pour over all of his books, and he became kind of a hero of mine. And, uh, yeah, and so I followed him and, and then grew up, you know, with the film camera in my hand. And then the digital world came along, and kicking and screaming, I went into it. I mean, <laughs> just I hated it, you know. And, and there was no way, there was absolutely no way I was going to go into the digital world. Um, but then the, you know, my favorite color labs started shutting down, um, had nowhere to develop, uh, the work or, you know, get stuff printed. And, um, anyway, I kind of gave up and, and honestly there was a year or two there. I didn't do anything. I just kind of forgot about it. And then, uh, my wife bought me a digital camera and I still wasn't you know crazy about it, but along came, uh, the D 800 E. And yeah. as soon as that came out, got that camera. And my world was opened up into an amazing, you know, just, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it, a, that's a great camera. I think, I feel like that was my first serious camera as well as the D800. And yep. um, it's, I mean, it's still a very capable piece of equipment to, to today. Oh yeah, man. Yep. Yeah. So when I, when I got that camera, you know, I, I didn't know how to turn on a computer. It, it's really, you know, like, yeah, didn't know how to do it. And so my wife, she's a computer genius. So I would go out and shoot and I'd come back and give her the give her the card and say, hey, you know, <laughs> let's work on these images. And I'd sit there and, um, you know, hey, raise the shadows up a little bit here. And, and uh, you know, and, and how long do you think that lasted? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, 10 minutes? You're like, give me the mouse. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so anyway, you know, she got sick and tired of that. So I learned how to how to get on the computer and it's kind of funny now I teach uh, Photoshop. So, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That wasn't that long ago, like 2011? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I really got into it and, and um I I entered some photographs in a in a contest. Uh, New Mexico Magazine had a photo contest every year and and I entered my images and didn't think anything of it. And I ended up winning. And so, um, yeah, it was awesome, man. And the winner got to pick, uh, got to choose from all this, these varieties of workshops. And so I was looking through there and, and, uh, I saw Mark Munch's name. He was leading, leading a workshop and it was an astro workshop and I was into astrophotography and I started following Mark's work obviously because of his father, David. And, uh, so I picked that workshop and went on the workshop and, um, yeah, the the rest is kind of history because when I was on that workshop, uh, Nikon recognized some of my work, and Mark, uh, you know, three weeks after the workshop, I get this call from Mark, and he says, "Hey, if you ever want to come to work for me, let me know." Jeez. And yeah, so it was just you know one thing led to another, and now I'm I'm leading workshops for him. And are you are you doing uh, photography full time? Uh, no, no, not yet. Um, my wife and I still build. We build about one or two homes a year. Uh, we're, oh, okay. we're home builders. Cool. Yeah, and yeah, we build very traditional uh, New Mexican homes. So, yep. So are we talking like uh, Adobe and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. You know, Pueblo. Um, very. Um, uh, most most of our works Pueblo style homes, but yeah, all the you know the Kiva fireplaces, the Vigas, Latias, and all that stuff. I, I love I love Southwestern architecture. That's cool. So. So would you say that uh, the majority of your photography is down there in New Mexico? 
Yeah, right now for sure it is. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate I live at the base of the Oregon Mountains, um, and so I spend a lot of time there. But I, I travel, you know, quite a bit, a lot more now than I used to, um, you know, in Utah and Colorado and the Southwest mainly. Yeah. Well, it's yep. <clears throat> it's it's pretty awesome being in this part of the world because there's just so much stuff to see and shoot. Man, you're right. I mean, we're we're just we're fortunate. Yeah. Yep. So you said um, that you're in the Oregon Mountains. Um, I think you had mentioned before that that's like really close to the Oregon Mountains uh, Desert National Monument. Yeah, the Oregon Mountain Desert Peaks National Monument. Um, yeah, it's uh, that it's part of it. And I live in Las Cruces, and Las Cruces is surrounded by the monument. And uh, that came to being um, during the Obama administration. And uh, you know, I, I I was one of the one of the many who who fought very hard for years and years and years to make this happen. And and uh, you know, I we all worked tirelessly tirelessly to, to to do this. And all of a sudden, of course, the administration changes, and you know what happened then. You know, we're we're on the chopping block along with Bears Ears and a lot of the other the other monuments. Well, um, uh, Ryan Zinke came down here, who was the uh, Interior Secretary, and I got to meet with him. And the the thing is, well, I guess to go back a little bit further, that that weird period of time when it, when President Obama was still president, but uh, Donald Trump was already elected. Yeah. Um, uh, Sally Jewell was still President Obama's um, Secretary of Interior. Well, she came back and she warned us, you know, this is probably going to happen. And I mean, you think these people don't care. Sally Jewell had tears in her eyes. She's just, you know, telling us this is probably going to happen. You all you need to unite. You need to fight this. And so we did. We became very organized. And when that day uh, came and Ryan Zinke came here, thousands upon thousands of people showed up to protest. And um, I was one of the, the ones that got to meet with him. And we we're sitting around this table and, you know, everybody's talking about we need to save this. You can't put a monetary value on beauty. And, you know, he's just, you know, you can tell he's just looking at his phone and doing other things, not really thinking about it. And when it became my turn to talk to him, I started talking about how much money um, – that the monument is going to bring to us and, and, you know, um, just professionals, you think about it, Let, let's take a doctor, for instance, a doctor comes, you know, is he, 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 he gets wooed by a hospital and whether it be Houston, Miami, LA, or say Las Cruces, New Mexico. And he's, he's an outdoor type. He loves to hike or he loves to mountain bike. He loves to do photography. Well, where is he going to go? You know, in 10 minutes he can leave his house or leave his work and be on his mountain bike or in the middle of a beautiful desert with his camera, you know, to, uh, just to, to relax and get away from the pressures of work. And, um, anyway, and sure enough, I mean, it, the, the monument has brought so much, uh, to Las Cruces, uh, monetarily. It's, it's, it's been pretty amazing, but that being said, uh, they pretty much left the monument alone. And I think a lot of that had to do with all the organization that, that, that we uh, put forth, um, yeah, it's but funny. Like bears ears. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. You know, I was just saying, it's it's funny. Like, I feel like a lot of politicians, you know, ultimately they, <clears throat> what they're most concerned about is, you know, what's where's the financial impact, and yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's unfortunate. You're, you're exactly right. It's unfortunate that that's the uh, the value proposition that you have to 
to make with some people, but ultimately I think it is one of the most effective ways to make your point. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I think we have to think of it that way, you know, when we have to fight something like this. So unfortunately. Yeah. If you think about <clears throat> bears ears, they don't necessarily, they can't necessarily make the same argument because, you know, it's all on native land and I don't know, like, yeah. Um, I, I feel like, uh, the the bigger money the big the bigger money player there is the oil and gas industry you know oh absolutely yeah big I mean uh, big oil always wins out and if we would have had any oil on our land or you know anything like that it would be we wouldn't have won it would be no gone <laughs> yeah no question yeah and I get that I mean yep. we do need fossil fuels still until we can figure out how to make renewables work but. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I mean, how do we get out to our photo shoots, you know? And, and, right. I was going to say, how are we, just yeah, this last yeah. weekend, I probably, you know, I think I probably filled my gas tank twice just for photography. So, you know, like, I feel like that's a that's a tough thing I feel like we all kind of grapple with as photographers, especially if you yeah. travel a lot. It's like uh, I'm kind of yeah. contributing to the problem a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think we all have to kind of, you know, not think – we all have to conserve. We all have to think about those things, but we also know changes are coming, hopefully for the better, you know, with electric cars. I mean, I electric four wheel drive vehicles and, you know, it just gets better every day. So, yeah, you know, hopefully we will get there. Hopefully. So what, what would, what do you think the role of photographers is in, in, in teaching uh, others how to respect and protect the natural world? Oh man, I got a lot to say about that. Um, yeah. I mean, for, first of all, and I think we, you know, probably everybody listening to this podcast um, is this way. But when you're out there in the field, being a good example and doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, when we're when we're not out there in the field and you're not by yourself, I think education is the key. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids and young adults uh, that haven't grown up with parents like I did or like you did uh, that teach them uh, good environmental ethics. And so, honestly, I a lot of people just don't understand. They, they don't get it. And so how can we change this? Um, I think by going to schools, to middle schools and high schools and giving slide presentations to uh, high school photography classes, you know, even at the college level, um, you know, where, where photography is taught or, or to camera clubs. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we got to give them what they want and show them beautiful photos and how we took them and all that. But you always, you know, got to give a little spiel on, you know, like the nature first ethics. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I'm curious, like you're teaching workshops. Have you have you brought that into any of your workshops that you've been doing? Absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a, you know, um, where to walk, stay out of uh, stay out of places that we just we shouldn't be. And, and you know, I yeah, every every workshop. You know, whether they want it or not, I'm giving them the spiel. I have to. You know, I feel like it's it's my place. It's just the way it is. You're going you're gonna to listen to it whether you like it or not. <laughs> how, how, I'm curious, how does that get received by the workshop attendees? Honestly, by most of them, it's, it's great. But then every once in a while, you have a, a, a few people that they don't want to be preached to. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and but that's okay. You know, uh, I'm still going to do it. You know, to to reach as many people as I can. Yeah, I heard a story the other day. I can't even remember which photographer it was, but uh, 
it was basically like they witnessed just this crazy thing where this other workshop leader was, I guess they 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 were at this place where there was some private property, and there was like a like a, I don't know like a metal wire up that said like no trespassing or, like or maybe it was like one of those deals where, you know it says like restoration area keep out, and the photographer like told people like ah oh, don't worry about it we we're we're allowed to do this. Um, and he just let wow. all these people under the wire, under the rope. And uh, this other photographer witnessed it and called him out. And the guy was like super, super jerk about it. Have you ever encountered stuff like that in the field? No, uh, honestly, I never have. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate where I take people and, and, and where I shoot. Honestly, I hardly ever see anyone. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's pretty wonderful to be lonely out there, I think. So, yeah, definitely. I I don't know. I'm that's why I gravitate to locations that I know there's not going to be a ton of people. Even though, you know, it's I'm not getting that iconic shot that everyone kind of wants and all that. But I don't know. There's something about being by yourself in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty satisfying. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at your work, Matt, you know, um, I I look at a lot of photography and. Looking at your work, I like to go to, uh, you know, their web people's photographers' websites, and your work just you you feel you feel epicness um, in your images. I mean, your that one shot you have—it's an older image. I'm trying to think. It's up in the San Juans, I believe. Um, but it, it's that panorama of that sunrise shot. Oh, it's yeah. an older image. I, just, I I can see it like. You know, every every time I look at it, I just stare at it. I'm amazed. It's beautiful. <laughs> that's a yep. that's a pretty special day for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, that light! Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, and yeah. I think funny thing about that is like, I don't know. Most people, I guess, you know, they're not lucky enough to see uh, sunrise fr- from the top of a of a high mountain. Um, because when you do the light, it's almost hard to believe how good it is. I mean, it's 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 pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, honestly, most people can't get to spots like that, you know, and so you being able to take that photograph and for people to see that, it just, you know, it, it, it's it's humbling and it's just so beautiful. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yep, Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, you deserve it because, man, getting up, you know, it, I mean, I can't imagine being up that high that early in the morning, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I've done a lot of backpacking. Um, you know, so I, I know, I know what it takes to get, get to a place like that. You work hard. Yeah. Well, just because you worked hard doesn't mean it's a good photo. That's what people keep That's telling true. me though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, one of the other, uh, uh, talking about, uh, public lands, um, I think, I think it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about, um, what it means to actually have public lands, you know, because I, when I think of public lands, I I always think, you know, this is for everyone. And I think the, that's, I think that's a double-edged sword though. Right. Because when you say it's for everyone, that means it's for everyone. Like people that are trying to make money off of it, people that are just wanting to enjoy it for relaxation, people that maybe want to, you know, cut firewood. I mean, it's, there's when you think of the national forest like that's kind of the 
point of the Department of Interior. It's like managing the land for all of the uses that it has. And recreation and photography is just one of those uses. Yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, you said it when you said public land is for everyone. The everyone, well, everyone just be, is, it's becoming more and more and more of everyone. You know, there's so many people now um, and we're and it's being encroached upon in every corners of the United States. It's just the population. And I think that's the biggest problem is the population boom. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. When I was a kid growing up, there was, you know, 180 million uh, people in the United States. Look <laughs> at it now. 340 or whatever it is, million. You know, so it's 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 hard to find that spot where you can you can feel solitude anymore. Um, you know, and, and I mean, it's, it's hard because you have all these user groups wanting, wanting the public land for different things and thinking that their way is right and everyone else is wrong. So it's, it's, it's tough. It really is. It is tough. I mean, I guess where I kind of personally like to draw the line, this is my own personal viewpoint is, uh, if if what you're using the land for has a negative impact on the other users of that land, I feel like your use case is diminished. Meaning, amen, brother. You know, like I don't know if you saw all that news about like the factory butte area and all the you know they opened it all up to ATVs and OHVs and yep. um, you know, it's like you know, their arguments like, well, it's public land. Like we should be able to use it too. And it's like, yeah, but the way that you're using the public land creates not only an eyesore, but also creates a lot of noise, which, and it actually physically damages the land itself. So I feel like, Oh, it's such (laughs) delicate land there. You know, it really is. I'm getting ready to lead a workshop there next week. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the area. I mean, they have that place that they can ride. It's already designated yeah, miles swing, and miles, swing square miles. City. Swing Arm City. You know, yeah. what's, what's wrong with that place? Isn't that good enough for you? I mean, I just – oh, oh well, anyway, yeah, that oof, that gets a fire under me right there. <laughs> <laughs> me too, man. I was just talking about it with this weekend with, uh, with my friend Kane and my friend Shane McDermott. We were out camping in Utah, and we were talking about – Hanksville, the Hanksville area, and and uh, just we we all got kind of got fired up about it a little bit because it's you know it's you know as photographers like you know part of it's like you know we feel oh that's that's where I like to take photos like why are you messing it up but I think my argument holds some weight you know if, if how you're using the land impacts other users that I feel like yep it's not fair. Well, I'm stealing that from you because I, I love that. That's pretty good. <laughs> yep. Unless people don't like it, then tell them I, I made that up myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like right now, there's this huge push to private to privatize our public lands. Right. I mean, yeah, and, and it's and it's kind of hush hush. You know, it really is. But knowing the politicians, I do know. You know, you hear them talk about it all the time. They're bringing it up. This is coming. And so I think we, we have got to start banding together, you know, as photographers and, and, and joining together with other users um, in the fight. Um, I mean, hey, you know, you know what it's like. Let's let's use um, let's use hunting as an analogy. Um, you live in Colorado. I live in New Mexico. 
and every fall from September, you know, to December, our public lands get filled with Texans. And <laughs> hey, this isn't this isn't a slight on Texas, okay? It's true. But, well, maybe, maybe it is, but it's it's just that Texas has no public lands, and you know, it's it's if you're going to be a hunter in Texas, you have to pay to play, and there's all these you know places in Texas you can go spend thousands and thousands of dollars to uh to go shoot something and so if you take that if you looked at and switch it to photography well if we privatize those public lands only the rich are going to be able to get those epic shots that's true and we're the guys that are going to be behind the uh, no trespassing signs and so you know we just we gotta we gotta think about that you know and as a photographer i think you know i look at some of these other photographers who and I don't understand them, but they back these politicians that are, are trying to privatize these public lands, you know. And you really have to ask yourself, well, why, why are you into this? You know, are you into it for uh, your gearhead? Um, is it a popularity contest on social media? Or is it because, you know, um, you just, I don't know, you know, wh why are you doing this? I mean, I know, I know why you're doing it and I know why I'm doing it. It's because we both love the natural world. And even if there was no such thing as a camera, you and I would still be out there oh, because we totally. love it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. I don't. Yep. I don't know. I don't honestly know how anyone who's a landscape or nature photographer could uh, support those kinds of policies. Um, it's just, I don't know. Like, you must be very short-sighted because. Yeah. I mean, like you said, think about it. Like the writing's on the wall; it's already happening. I mean, you look at places like, I mean, unfortunately, the national park system has already been somewhat privatized in some ways. Like you look at uh, Grand Canyon; I mean, there's a private corporation that basically runs all of the facilities there called Zantera, um, yep. and every year they threaten the national park service to pull out unless they give them more money, and the park service is, is kind of crippled because if they pulled out like the park service can't run all those facilities like overnight you know they can't hire hundreds of you know i don't know how many people it takes to to run that outfit but i'm sure it would be a pretty huge undertaking to to transfer ownership over overnight so um absolutely and you know these private corporations are profiting off of the sharp increase in tourism to national parks and you know, we, yeah. I see it here, like at the the National Forest campgrounds. A lot of them are privatized, and instead of it being free or very cheap, it's like twenty twenty five bucks a night. I mean, are you kidding me? Yep. To stay in a yeah. national camp, a park, national forest campground, it's like, and that it's getting more and more like that, Matt. I mean, the the budget is getting cut more and more every day. You know, uh, for our national parks and our national forest BLM, um, and more, more and more of that money is going to these private people and less going to, you know, uh, to preserve places. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, everything was beautiful. The campgrounds were nice. Everything was well kept. Um, you know, it was, I'm, I'm glad I grew up when I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember a day when it was like that. I mean, even when I was growing up as a kid, you could go even on the weekend to a lot of places and you wouldn't hardly run into anyone. I mean, it was, right. it's a different world. It's pretty amazing how quickly it's shifted. Um, yeah, it, it really has. Yeah. And it's kind of been a perfect storm, you know, for, 
the budget cuts and then, you know, the, the, the popularity of social media and everybody yeah. wanting to be out there, and, you know, getting the selfies and, the, and all that. It's just it, it really has been the perfect storm. You know, it's interesting uh, you talk about uh, social media. I think there's this term that's been coined like uh, social media tourism, <laughs> you know, where people are seeing places on social media and they're going there because they saw it on social media. Um, I think it's interesting. There's actually a lot of uh, outdoor companies. Um, I just saw REI did a whole video yesterday. They put out um, talking about like, encouraging people to not geotag which right on i thought was pretty interesting i mean you know the outdoor industry like rei and patagonia and all them i think you know they benefit the most from this sharp increase in outdoor tourism but i think they also being intelligent corporate corporate minded people they see the future and they know that that it's not sustainable at its current pace Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, I think the writing's on the, the wall and, uh, you know, Patagonia and REI, they've always been on the forefront of that. And hopefully that'll just keep going to other uh, other companies, like minded companies. Yeah, definitely. Well, earlier yep. you mentioned uh, David Mensch and yep. um, one of the topics that I thought would be interesting to talk about um, cause you had mentioned that he's kind of one of your heroes, um, mm-hmm. is how having different photographers as heroes or people that you look up to or however you want to put it, people that, you know, uh, you know, that inspire you or whatever, um, how, how they influence us as photographers and how we approach photography, how we take photos, how we see the world or how we, what kind of photos do we even look for? I'm curious how your experience has been having been influenced uh, by somebody like David Mensch. Yeah. This, you know, I, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. And, and really, if you think about it, when, when you look at people's work, you, you think about how were they influenced and, and how did they get to that point? Um, there's so many great photographers out there and I, I followed, I followed David Munch's work for years. And then when the digital age came, I, to be honest, I kind of lost track of him and it wasn't that his work wasn't good. I just started following other photographers and I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. But one day I was sick and um, I was laying in bed feeling sorry for myself and I turn on the TV and I turn on YouTube and I'm flipping through YouTube and, and I type in David Munch and for some reason, and then these videos came up. And David's being interviewed by this guy and he's talking about how he took this photograph and, and, and I'm looking at his work, man. And I'm going, wow, I forgot how beautiful his work was. And he's going through all these photos. And then I, I said this to myself and I said it probably out loud even. And I go, wow, his work looks just like mine. (laughs) (laughs) And wait, 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 no, wait, wait, wait. Um, it's the other way around. <laughs> I literally had to stop myself and say, "No, I think my work looks like his." And you know, it it it, it was ingrained in me from an early age, and I love that whole near far thing. Um, and and I you know, and, and nowadays, and, and you know this, there, there's a big push, and people are getting more into the intimate landscapes. Um, 
and, and, and photography, landscape photography seems to be going more that way. And, and I think that's great, but that's just not what I'm into. And if people don't like my stuff, and I, I just absolutely love the whole near far thing. And I, I just love the, you know, the vastness of, of seeing, of being on top of a mountain and, 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 and shooting the, the valley below with the sun rising. And, you know, I love all that. That's, that's me. And that's what I love to do. And, 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 you know, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm going to keep doing it. And, and cause I love it. So when you say, when you say near far, you, you mean like, um, like there's a foreground, uh, something in the foreground that's of visual interest yep. that perhaps leads your eye up to the, into the into the far of something else that's also a visual interest right i mean david david munch you know he he would he had these medium and large format cameras and he would basically tilt the bellows down and to by right. and by doing so you know it's 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 almost like a tilt shift lens on a on a modern a modern digital camera where you could get everything in focus and he he pretty much he's the one that kind of came up with this whole thing and and and, and made it popular. And, and you know, you see uh, all these other images now and, and you think, wow, you know, I've, I've never seen that before. I mean, back in 2012 and 13, when people started doing this and focus stacking became a big deal, you know. Um, but no, David was the first one to do all this. Hmm. I guess I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His, his work, you know, and, and I hear people, you know, people that don't know his work. They they look at his his images and, and go, ah, you know what? It, it's okay. It's not that great. But people have to understand he was shooting with film, and he had he didn't have the ability to separate the sky and be able to take the highlights down in the sky, you know, and and, and get more color out of it and, and make it. That's that's not what you did with color film back in those days. Couldn't do it, you know. So no, but I really look up to his work. Yeah, I'm curious. Are there other photographers that have um, influenced you, your style, or or have you seen? Um, I'm curious too. Like, have you seen other people become influenced by your stuff? Um, <laughs> holy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've definitely. I mean, I've I've definitely seen that. I mean, especially local stuff, you know. Um, and I think everybody has that. And, and, and that's, that's cool. It's a good thing. And I teach, you know, I, I teach at a local community college here. I teach photography and, uh, oh, cool. yeah. And I do that, you know, try to give back people that can't afford these crazy expensive workshops. Um, and I tend to get the same local photographers over and over again and their work just keeps getting better and better. And that's great. I, I love it, but man, it's keeping me on my toes. I'm going, man, there's what, you know, what else can I do to get better here? And I'm, you know, always thinking outside the box <laughs> just to stay ahead that's of them awesome. a little bit, you know, but I love that. I love yeah. teaching and it's, and it's fun and, and that's the way it should be. But, you know, I, I look at new, new, new photographers like Michael Strickland. He's a, he's a film photographer, you know, and he, he's kind of following in David's footsteps, but he loves film and shooting with large format cameras and he's taken it to another level. I love his work. And, and I, you know, modern photographers like Charlotte Gibb. Oh my God, her work. I look at it and I just, oh, I just love it. It's so clean and pristine and beautiful. Um, you know, there, well, oh, there's so many. It's awesome. It is. Yeah. Yep. I like her stuff a lot. Yeah. I, I, I love, 
I love just sitting down and going through people's websites and looking at images. You know, I, I bet I look at a thousand images a week, you know, uh, of, of deep, different, different photographers like Sarah Moreno. I mean, her ability to just find those intimate scenes and abstracts, they, they just blow me away. They really it's do. It's not fair, man. I, I feel like I did a, I th- I feel like I spent like two hours uh, recently walking around this forest in Montana. Uh-huh. They have all these wildflowers everywhere, and I was just looking for those kinds of shots. Yep. And I think I maybe found like one or two, but I was like, "How do I shoot this?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "It's just it's funny how certain techniques come supernatural to some people, and yeah, for other people, it's like I am totally at a loss." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I get that. You know, everybody has a different eye, and that's the beauty of photography, I think. And that's why I look at so many different images, because you can tell the copycats, but then you can also tell the people that really get it and that have their own unique style. Um, you know, I, it, like Paul Zitzka, he he has his own. You look at one of his, his photographs. Yeah, definitely. You can tell it's Paul's. And, you know, photographers like, well, like Nick Page, right? I think people look up to him in the industry. But I don't think he gets enough credit for his eye and his ability to color grade an image. I look at his images and I just think he just he gets it, man, that guy. You know, I, I love his work. And uh, yeah, but it's completely, you know, his work is completely different than Charlotte Gibbs work. Um, yeah. So it's no, totally it's, like yeah. it's almost like polar and polar opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. But they're they're, they're both complete, they're both beautiful. Right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how that works. I think it's, um, I think it is interesting too to see how uh, different styles kind of emerge and fade away and then reemerge, and how, like you were saying, oh, I hope intimate. I know intimate landscapes are becoming popular. Mm-hmm. I think they're becoming popular to photograph, but I don't think they're that popular to from like an art buyer perspective, like I don't think people connect with them as much as like a, a grand scenic that maybe something that they've been to before or something like that. Um, I think, I don't know. It's, I think it's, they're two very different products, but you know, I, I get that. But also at the same time, if people would realize, I mean, if you get a 40 by 60 print of one or of one of the Cerro Moreno's, you know, intimate landscapes, I mean, it's almost an abstract, right? And it just goes so well in a modern home, you know? Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think it's starting to catch on and I think, I think we'll start seeing more and more of that artwork being sold for sure. Mm. Yeah, I hope so. Cause I, I like it a lot more personally. Like I think it's, first of all, it's super hard to copy. I mean, you know, it, I, I, there's no way I could just go out and copy a lot of that kind of stuff, even if I knew where to find uh, the the flora or whatever that was taken, but you know, telephoto shot of three random trees on a hillside that just happen to have good light and good composition. Like you're you're not going to copy that probably. That's right. Um, so I think that's that's why I like intimate landscapes is that um, I think they're a more uh, I think they're more challenging, but I also think uh, they're more unique to the individual who actually executed the shot. You're right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're, they're uniquely all that photographer's own and, um, and you can really tell that in a lot of people's work. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, 
what are some of the ways that uh, that you have um, made efforts to improve your work over time? Oh man, it's just it's it's constant and ongoing. I I, I love night photography. I mean, I absolutely love astro, and I love being out in the desert and the mountains at night. I, I just feel really at home, um, you know, in the dark. And, and not only that, but I'm a I'm a night person, so <laughs> that yeah, helps. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I'm always trying new things, and I I'm fortunate because where I live, the desert, I just have miles and miles of desert desert behind my home. So I'm always out there experimenting. Um, I love to light up scenes at night and use different lighting techniques and all that. So I'm always out there. My light, my lights are always evolving and, um, yeah, that kind of thing. And, and the way I shoot things, that's always evolving as well. So I know, yeah. I know you had said that you were on, a uh, a workshop, um, earlier in your career. And I'm curious, what kind of stuff did you pick up, um, through taking a workshop? Um, yeah, with Mark, I mean, it was it was great because I did learn a lot from Mark, um, and that was the only workshop I've ever been on um, where I wasn't the leader on it. But you know, it was it's kind of funny because we got there and Mark looked at my images and his exact words were to me, "So why are you here? You know, what do you <laughs> want to learn?" And and he let me literally go off on my own, and we would go to these locations. Um, we went to this place, it's called the white place. I was in Northern New Mexico and mm. we went to the white places. It's on private property. And he just let me go. And I literally, this was in the middle of the night. He let me hike a mile and a half away from everybody, you know, to get my own shot. And, um, yeah. And it, it just, and I ended up just doing that. And I, you know, it, I, I learned a lot of processing skills from him, Yeah. but just because I've done so much of it by the time I got to that workshop, and it was almost like I was there with a friend, you know, but Mark is, he's one of the best teachers, you know, I've ever met in my life. And um, so it's the processing skills that he taught me on that workshop. I still, I still use a lot of his techniques. What kind of, uh, what kind of techniques are we talking about? You know, separating, you know, always, always separating your foreground from your sky. I mean, to me, that's really important because noise levels, uh, in your foreground are a little more acceptable maybe than they are in the sky. Um, that's really important. Um, and he taught me how to do that and do it the right way. Um, you know, and, and, and of course just all the little tricks, the little things that you don't, you don't think about that, you know, um, you know, how much noise reduction or instead of shooting it at ISO, you know, 2,500, which was my go-to try to, you know, take that Nikon D800E up to 4,000. And, you know, it's, it's, you're going to get, you're going to get more light and you won't have to push your exposure up so much and it will be less noisy. So it's stuff like that. You know, it was just little stuff, but stuff that really helped. Mm -hmm. yep. I think you had mentioned to me before too, that, um, that you've been a part of different critique groups, like on Facebook. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, I'm curious yeah. how, how have you used those and how do you find them and like what, uh, kind of, how does that all work? Well, I'm on, um, and I, I don't want to mention any names because the, the people that I'm, the, the, the people I'm in these critique groups, uh, they don't want people to know that they're in there because everybody wants to get in. And so uh, I think, uh -huh. and, I, and I think this is really important for everybody. 
you know, to have a group like I'm in. I'm in two different critique groups. One is professional photographers, and the other one is basically local photographers from around uh, Las Cruces, El Paso, the, the area where I live. Um, and it's it's really it, it, it's awesome because before you post a photograph or if you're working on a photograph, you can put it out there. And I think it's really important that everybody's very honest with you and 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 they tell you exactly what they're seeing in your image. I mean, it's helped me so much. Little things that you don't see, you know. Hey, you got a little halo around that tree, man. You might want to think about fixing that, you know. Little stuff you didn't notice during the processing phase. And, and you get so close to your images, you end up falling in love with them. And you think it's the greatest thing ever, right? You put it out there and everybody's like, uh, you know, I think your other stuff's a little better than this one. You might think about, you know, maybe putting that in the bin, you know. <laughs> that's always That's always nice to hear. Um, yeah, but it's important that they're honest, right? Yeah, I'm curious. Have you have people been pretty open to receiving like that really harsh stuff? Uh, no. Um, the professional photographers, yeah, that's been great. But the local people, um, <laughs> <laughs> that one you got to be a little more. You got to walk you on eggshells a little, a little bit. Yeah, gotta... a little bit. You know. Yeah. I mean, a couple people have left the group and then they've come back. And, you know, I and remember, that's cool, you know? We have a photography club here, and I feel like every meeting there's, like, a image sharing. And I, I always want to, like, critique stuff, but it's, like, you know, you, you they go through a couple photos, and, like, no one really says anything. And I'm, like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. Like, the only guy in the room that's, you know, like, oh, I think this photo could use a lot more, a lot more work or whatever, you know, like. Yeah. Or I think those colors are a little bit too crazy or, you know, whatever. Like I feel, I always feel like unless you have some kind of agreement from the group you're in that, you know, anything goes, it's hard yeah. to be the first person to really be honest, I, I guess. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a right way to be honest and be nice. I mean, totally. I feel like a lot of people don't know how to do that either. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn that one, you know, myself. Hey, you, you can't be so blunt. Or there's a better, a better way of being blunt. Yeah, <laughs> you well, can't just say, time, "Hey, man, that really sucks." I feel like there's a lot of photographers right now that, you know, they just don't want to hear it. You know? No, no, I mean, they I, don't. Are you familiar with um, Todd Cottle? No. He's a he's an old school film photographer here in Colorado. Like he has tons of calendars and books and his own publishing company and stuff. And um, I remember. Back in like 2011, actually that photo you you liked, uh, I had like a one part of that photo that I had like just focused on and like I did all kinds of stupid shit to it. It looked horrible. But this was back when I first started photography. and We all did he, that. Yeah. And he, he posted something like, you're stretching the mountains and it looks like shit and like the colors are totally <laughs> oversaturated. And like back then I was like super offended, you know, now looking back, yeah. I'm like, he was so right. Like everything he yep. said is 100% true. Right. Um, I right. remember he recently did something like that to another guy. Um, and like all of this guy's followers came to his rescue. Like, how dare you talk about him? And, uh, you know, he's one of the best photographers on earth. I mean, people were just coming out of the woodwork to defend this guy. Um, really? and all I, you know, and all Todd was trying to say was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't stretch your mountains, man. In Photoshop, like, yeah, it looks pretty oh, obvious. Yeah. 
But it's fun. I yeah. feel like a lot of photographers are just not really open to getting any critiques on their photos. Yeah. Well, especially if not. it's unsolicited. And they're not going to grow, you know. They're just they're not going to grow as photographers. They're going to stay in that same rut for a lot longer than they would have if they would just listen to people who know what they're talking about that have been doing it for years. I feel so. like there's a flip side of that though, right? Because um there's a lot of interesting and innovative things that people have people do that I feel like a lot of those old school photographers would kind of, you know, thumb their nose at, but it's mm -hmm. stuff that's become, you know, pretty acceptable and or looks really great now. But yep. um so I don't know, I, I feel like like you said, I think it takes a little bit of tact. <laughs> yeah, it does. You just have to be tactful. You know, I mean, there's just, there's not that many Ryan Dyers of the world, you know? I mean, he, he, he does a great job of it, but when people try to be him and do those things, it just doesn't come off, man. He, he can pull it off. A lot of people can't. Well, not only that, but like, I don't know about you, but I can always tell when someone's watched a Ryan Dyer tutorial. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. there's, there's that yep. thing. There's that yep. Ryan Dyer effect he taught in his video. <laughs> yep. no, no offense yep. to Ryan. Like, he's an awesome dude and a great, great artist. No. But I Absolutely. think it's funny how many people are try to copy what he's doing, what yep. he's done. It's yeah, just funny. for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, and then there's, there's the photographers out there that I really admire that don't, they don't put their work out there and they're not on social media. And I got this one friend, man. He's so... He, he does, he's a great photographer and he gets it. He gets color. He gets the post-processing part of it. He has compositions down. Um, but he, he gives a calendar to just a few good friends and family members once a year. And those are the only people that see his work. They get 12 images of his work a year. That's and that's cool. all he cares about. That's awesome. Yeah. You I know? think that's really cool. Yeah, he'd be mad that I was talking about it. This guy, he's 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 my he's my shooting buddy, and I love shooting with that guy, Rory Hailstack. He's gonna be so mad, so pissed that I even brought up his name, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't want the notoriety. And I, you know, in in a way, I think that's great, but in another way, I'm thinking, you know, I I like to share my work, and it's fun to 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 share it with others, and and I mean that's what art has always been about. You know, I mean, it's, I, I look at, I, I love to shoot petroglyphs, um, you know, and there, some of these petroglyphs are thousands and thousands of years old, 800 years old, whatever they may be. Um, and I love that, but these artists were expressing themselves and they wanted their work to be seen. And I think we all are like that, but there's a very few out there like Rory who just, you know, they don't care he just loves photography and he loves to be in the wild. Totally. I have you, um, are you on nature photographers network at all? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm three year member. Okay. Yeah. It's, I think the critique forums over there are actually really good. I, um, I know. I, I, I actually enjoy them. Yeah. I mean, there's yep. some really good, uh, feedback that is given over there. I mean, it's actually honestly kind of hard for me to keep up. Like there's so many good photos being shared and just small things that people are saying like, well, you know, tweak, tweak the, like make the shadows a little bit, you know, a little bit more teal, you know, and then they'll show yeah, you yeah. like the effect and it's like, yeah, you're right. That made a huge difference. And it was yep. something really subtle, you know? So 
I don't know. Another another natural plug for NPN. I think it's worth the money to go over there if you're really trying to get better as a photographer. I think it's probably one of the best ways you can do it. So me personally, yeah. I don't know. No, I know. I, I need to I need to be more involved. Um I know I feel bad. You know, I try to that. at least leave a comment like once a day or so. So it's hard. Well, yeah, I'm 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 at once a month right now. I'm <laughs> I'm always on there. You know, um, just looking, looking. At, at, at beautiful images. Yeah. Well, and I would be remiss to to not point out that um, uh, that's actually we have a there's a f-stop collaborate and listen forum on NPN that you can join if you're you don't oh. even have to be an NPN member to be on there and that's where I post right on all of our article discussions um, for each podcast episode just just another plug for NPN <laughs> right on yep cool no it's a great site great yeah. site and they're doing a they're doing a wonderful job with it yeah well so. Uh, guess question for you. I, you know, you're, you got some workshops that you're teaching. Uh, want to tell everyone a little bit about that? Sure. Yep. Um, getting ready to lead a, a workshop for Munch workshops next week. It's called wild Utah and it's, it's pretty cool because, um, we actually camp out. Um, we have a, uh, an outfitter that goes out there and they set up these tents. Um, and we'll be in Southern Utah and, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. So we're, we're out there in these tents. So we're kind of close to the locations we're going to be shooting. And then um, we camp for two nights, and then we come back. We go into Torrey to a uh, to a hotel, and we'll get cleaned up, and then we do uh, processing sessions there. And then we'll go back out and camp again in a different spot. And then we'll come back, you know, we'll spend a couple nights there and come back into a, to a, to a different hotel and, and, and do more processing and it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I actually, I love teaching. And for whatever reason, Munch Workshops really, it seems like the people that that take these workshops, they take them over and over again. And it's a certain clientele. Everybody's usually just super happy and, and low key and, you know, low maintenance people. It's, I really enjoy it. That's cool. Yeah. And then I know, and I know that um, you also have some, some of your work in uh in a couple of galleries down there you want to talk about that a little bit yeah yeah Uh, so there's a gallery in the middle of nowhere here in new mexico it's in it's in a a small town carrizozo new mexico and it's called the tularosa basin art uh photography gallery and um it's the largest uh photography gallery in the state and it's an old uh it's an old feed building i guess but it's this huge building and it's just loaded with New Mexico photographers. And I think there's I'm, I'm, there's probably 50 different photographers in there or something like that. I don't know exactly how many. But um, it's just a wonderful place. And it's kind of cool because people take rides there just to, just to take a Sunday drive, you know, from Albuquerque or whatever. Valley of Fires is right there. Um, Three Rivers Petroglyph Sites right there. White Sands isn't far away. Um, but it's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, my images do really well and I sell quite a, quite a few images from there. Yeah. I was looking, I'm looking at the map and you're right. It's basically in the middle of nowhere. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and the, yeah, local photographers that live in the area, they run the, you know, they, they run the gallery. They're in there they, and they do a fantastic job, you know? Um, yep. They have a big party there every year. New Mexico magazine has a big party. And uh, I've actually run uh, Munch workshops 
uh, from Carrizozo, and they let us use the basement of the building for our processing uh, sessions. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's just a cool, a cool town. Everybody there is just super friendly and, and bend over backwards for you. You know, they're, they're wonderful. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Yep. How did, you and get, then in, how did you get hooked up with that? Um, you know, uh, I think as a New Mexico photographer, they kind of, they, they, they seek you out probably. And it was, it's been so many years ago, but the, the owner of the gallery, uh, Warren Malkerson, just a fantastic guy. Uh, he's from Minnesota and they moved there, he and his wife. And, um, they've just done an amazing job, not only with the gallery, but with the town. It's kind of a quirky town. You know, you drive through the town and there's all these donkeys everywhere. They have these large donkeys that are painted. I mean, they're, they're, they're artwork, you know? So the town's a lot about art and, uh, there's, there's art galleries everywhere, but there's these, uh, I guess they're clay or lead donkeys or something, but they stand about five feet high and everybody paints them a different way and they're all over town. It's just the coolest huh. thing. Yeah. Yep. I and mean, it's a pretty small town. Oh, it's really small. Yeah. It was an old ranching community. Yep. That's cool. And then you, I think you said you were in another gallery too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have more work in, uh, in, uh, in Albuquerque, uh, the New Mexico, uh, Prince gallery. And they, they also do printing in the gallery. Um, yeah. And they do, it's a, a couple of young guys there and they're, they just, um, they're doing a great job. It's, it's only been open for a few months. Uh, but they're, they're, they only, they do really large images on the wall. They're, you know, 40 by 60 prints and, and they're, they're, they really got the, the whole, uh, art of printing down. Um, I, I, yeah, but I really like working with those guys and it seems like they're going to do pretty well. And how far away are you from, uh, White Sands? Oh man, it's, I, I'm 30, 35 minutes away. Ooh, yep. Nice. Yeah, I know. That's definitely, and I, I, that's definitely yeah. on my list. Okay. That's yeah. If you come down here, we'll have to hook up and go shoot. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's an amazing place, Matt. Um, you know, and, it, and it's funny as a, as a kid, I, I, I probably still take it for granted and I don't go shoot there enough, but as a kid, we went there, you know, on Easter and mother's day and stuff like that. And we'd have picnics and we would slide down the hill and, you know, bury each other and all that stuff. <laughs> and I just didn't recognize the beauty of it, you know, right. till later. I mean, much later. Yeah. Even as a photographer, I didn't recognize it. And all of a sudden, you know, I start seeing all these beautiful images. I'm going, really? White sands? <laughs> and, and people are coming here from all over the world to shoot in my backyard. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. it looks amazing for sure. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, and it's it's cool. there. So you can camp there at night, but they only, I think they only allow 10, uh, 10 people to camp. Or not 10 people, but there's 10, 10 campsites. And they're all a mile off the road. So you have to, you have to hike in to these oh, that's cool. campsites. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and, and they're all kind of secluded, um, away from each other. So you, you pick out your campsite and you hike in and, and it's amazing. And then they also have group, group camping and, um, the group camping you can drive to, and that's, I've, I've run workshops from there. Um, and, and you can stay overnight in the group camping area as well. So, cool. yep. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful place. Um, Winding down, uh, who do you think people would want to hear here on the podcast? Ah, oh, man. Um, I knew you were going to ask that. And I would, I would have to say Mark Munch is just an incredible photographer. Not only that, but he's very well-spoken. 
and he knows so much about this in industry. I mean, his grandfather, Joseph Munch, um, was, a, you know, one of the first photographers in the United States, you know, right there with Ansel Adams. Um, and then and then his father, of course, David Munch, you know, he always went out with him as a child. And then, yeah, now Mark, I mean, he's traveled all over the world, you know, a hundred times and back and knows so much about it and just and just loves the natural world. And he has so much to say about it. So I think he would be good. And I can I can talk to him and see, you know, if you if you'd like. Yeah, that would be great. Try try to twist his arm a little bit. Yeah, I'll I'll see if I can do that. <laughs> yeah, and then an, another another friend of mine. Uh, have you ever heard of Dewitt Jones? Uh, yeah, I think I have. Yeah, yeah, man. He's so he's an old school uh, photographer. Um, he's Nas National Geographic photographer, and he he was he was the he was in National Geographic back in the heyday. So he has all these amazing stories about. You know, back when, uh, you know, when the geographic was 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 going strong and, you know, and what it was like. And he has so many stories. Yeah. So he would be somebody that would be great to have on the show. And he's done a TED talk, you know, so he has a, a lot of insights as well. He's, you know, he, he's a great guy, well-spoken. Um, and then, of course, my hero, David Munch. Um, I would love to hear him. He's in his mid 80s now. But I, I, I ran into David in Albuquerque a few months ago, and the guy's just, you know, super intelligent. Um, he could still, you know, he, he'll go on for four or five hours about photography still. <laughs> well, I'm sure people would listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no question, man. I mean, you know, you, you to, to have a master like that on the, on the podcast would be amazing. And I can also reach out and, and see, you know, if you'd like with him. Oh yeah, that would that'd be great because it's always helpful when people know people because otherwise it's just me randomly texting or emailing or calling and it's never as effective. Yeah, you know, I mean, like Mark, he's kept up with the whole game, you know, the processing. He's very in touch with everything, but he also knows so much about the old school ways and and, and how it was back in the day. And so somebody like it would be super interesting. And but then you know, then you have Dewitt Jones who has, has done it all before we were even born, you know? And <laughs> right. so, you know, it's, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm 58 years old. So yeah. And then David as well. So yeah. But I'll, I, if you want me to, I'll reach out to those guys. Yeah. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. It'd be cool to hear, hear what they have to say. Yeah. That would, that would be great. I would, I would really appreciate that. Cool. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, gosh, doesn't the time fly? <laughs> yeah. How long we've we been talking over an hour. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. That's cool. Yeah. No, it is fun. Yeah. And again, th thanks so much, Matt, for having me on. You bet. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, Matt. Cool. Well, thanks, Wayne, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on the show for that awesome conversation. I really enjoyed our discussion and I hope everyone else did as well. Hopefully, we can uh, meet up sometime soon since you're so close. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review over on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show. And if you do, let me know and I'll send you a nice gift. Seriously, I will. All right. I want to thank our newest patrons for the podcast. Seriously, this is one of my favorite parts of the show because honestly, you guys, the patrons, you're, you're why, I'm, why I keep doing the show over and over each week. And uh, you just keep the fuel burning. And I really appreciate you all. So thank you to Tim Boone. 
James Lawrenson, Adam Bass, and Lynn Pitts. Thank you guys so much. Also, thanks to John Whitaker and Tim Floyd for upping their pledges. Um, I really appreciate you guys. And Tim, I'm really enjoying all of the uh, great comments you're leaving over on Patreon for the bonus episodes. Um, if you guys are patrons, you should definitely check, check out those discussions. Um, thanks for helping us get back to the $1,000 mark. I really appreciate you. I also want to give a special thank you to the people that we like to call our Patreon podcast producers. These awesome, incredible, amazing people contribute at the $20 a month level and higher over on Patreon. So without further ado, thank you to Charlotte Gibb, David Kingham, Anton Everine, Lori Berenson, William Nurse, Ken Dono, Danny LeFrancois, James Bakavoy, Matthias at Photomagica, Richard Wong, Zachary Smith, Gary Randall, Frank Otto Peterson, and Michael Rung, and Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stenslin, Chris Rice, and Jeff Peterson. All right. Well, let's talk about who is coming up on the podcast. I have been pounding the pavement, hitting the email waves, and really trying to stir up some some great episodes for us, and I'm really excited to announce our upcoming guests. It should be a really good fall and winter for us here on the podcast. So, Next up, we have uh, Christian Hebe. He's a Swiss photographer living in the United States. We have Alistair Ben, a uh, photograph- photographer living in uh, Scotland. We have Tim Parkin from On Landscape Magazine. We have uh, Franca Gabler, a photographer from Croatia living in California. We have Ian Plant. I don't think he needs an introduction. I think a lot of people know Ian. And uh, Dylan Fox, he's uh, from Australia. And uh, I got a couple more coming too. It's it's gonna be good. All right, um, all right. Well, one last reminder: patrons of the podcast are highly encouraged to participate in our themed photo contests by submitting them to the community board, which is linked on the liner notes of the episode uh, over on our Patreon page. The current theme, which ends on August thirtieth, is Nemesis. I know we all have our own photo nemesis, whether it be a type of scene that we've shot like a thousand times and never had the right light, or it just always, you know, something happens and it messes us up. I want to see what your nemesis is, so let's see those shots over on the community board. All right. Well, thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.